Hi, welcome to another episode of I Own a Business, where we focus on helping practice owners grow the practice of their dreams. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Vargo, and I have with me Dr. Joel Hayden, who's an IDOC member and also owner of Hayden Optometric in Mansfield, Massachusetts. And I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. So welcome, Joel. Thanks, Steve. Great to be here. So, Joel, a few people at IDOC said you should talk to Dr. Hayden. He's a real interesting person. So we, I, I went with that. We connected a few weeks ago to discuss what we were going to talk about. And in that conversation, you shared some projects that you had outside of practice. And I, I shared a little bit of my story about uh, what took me out of patient care. And I think we both have a maybe somewhat of a similar restlessness when it comes to doing a little bit more outside of just seeing patients, which I actually at this point don't think is uncommon. Talking with a lot of other doctors, uh, I think would, you know, interested in, in other ventures. And I, I hope what we can do through this is maybe inspire some ODs who are maybe feeling a little burned out or maybe a little less fulfilled than they used to be just, you know, practicing optometry to maybe get out of their comfort zone and, and pursue some things that that perhaps bring some joy back into their career. So we don't have to be confined by by four walls in a, a small dark room if we don't want to be. For some people, that's all they want to do. But if we um, aspire to do something else, it's it is possible. So with that being said, let me let me just start with this, Joel. What led you to optometry? And then we'll get into some of your other uh, side ventures. But I'm just curious about your background and what led you to this profession. Yeah, you know, as a as a young boy, I needed glasses, and I had been to the op optometrist many times. And my grandparents' neighbor was a it was an optometrist in Utica, New York. And my grandmother would stick it in my head, and that got my mother to stick it in my head. And, um, when I went to, when I graduated high school, went to college, uh, I, I did well enough in high school to get by and I didn't need to study a lot. When I got to college, I had to study and I started out with pre-optometry and literally fell flat on my face. So I went to the stuff I loved, which was math and computer science and got my GPA back up, transferred to another school and, uh, got convinced to go back and try, uh, all the pre-optometry prerequisites and, and rocked it and did well from there on out well enough to get me into uh, the New England College of Optometry. And uh, that was that. But it was definitely those early uh, conversations with my mother and my grandmother that uh, got me thinking about it. And I tried to do that with my, my own kids to try to have those conversations about what do you like? What do you think you'd like to do? And it's kind of funny because looking back, I don't think there's anything else I should be doing. Uh, I mean, I really think I was meant to be an optometrist. So um, my math background, I love optics. I love refracting every day. That, that's probably the highlight of my day every day. But um, problem solving is another one, as we all are. And uh, optometrists have an amazing ability to do that every single day, multiple times. It, it is a great profession. It allows you a lot of flexibility. It's, it can be financially rewarding. And you know something I'm learning, there's a, a few different routes doctors can go now and one of them is within their own practice, but I'm also seeing a lot of other ODs doing things like what I'm doing, not necessarily even full-time, but opportunities open up that are part-time where they can practice 
two or three days a week and then have outside opportunities as well. But I'm curious as well, because I know you're involved with specialties. And this is another area I think if doctors are getting a little itchy in the traditional care, sitting in a room, kind of spinning the dials. Yes. Uh, you do that for so many years. And I, I think you start getting a little um, anxious to maybe do something uh, that's not as mundane as that. I, I, I think most ODs who've been practicing for a while can probably relate. So what specialties are you involved with and how did you determine to go in those specific directions? So I literally, literally both of them are kind of funny stories. I do a lot of ortho K and I do a lot of scleral lenses. And my hope is to be able to get to the point where I'm doing nothing but that and have other ODs do my general day-to-day -day optometry. Um, the ortho K was interesting. I had hired a new office manager. She was about 45 years old. She was um, suffering from dry eyes. We could not find a contact lens that would make her comfortable. And I said to her, I said, I've got a friend of mine up on the North Shore who's uh, doing a lot of ortho K. You want to try it? And she said, yeah, you know, what is it? And we literally uh, put her in the, the old Paragon system. And the next day I, I picked her up because I didn't know what I was looking. And we, we both live about 40 miles from my practice. I didn't know what, uh, what to expect. And she was dead on 2020 the next day. She's about a minus two. Um, and she's been in them ever since. She is my biggest advocate for the, for the practice. So her alone uh, grew my ortho K practice. And then with sclerals, it was more, I ran into patients that were just my own patients that had keratoconus and just couldn't find a great option. So I started fitting scleral lenses and fell flat on my face. I just could not, I could not find success. I found some success, but not a lot of success. And um, it was at a uh, practice management meeting. I happened to meet Tom Arnold, who is probably one of the top one, two, three scleral lens fitters in the country. And uh, Tom told me what he did and what I should do and what I should try to do. And uh, just with those simple tips came back, uh, I had to buy an anterior seg OCT, which made a huge difference in the fitting process. And now I see at least two new scleral patients every other day. So, so that's one a day. And that probably is about right. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of referrals from all over New England. Yeah, that's great. I think the, um, you know, it's interesting to me the how you practice can make a difference in how you feel about the profession. There's a book I've talked about a lot. It's called Compassionomics. And the author, through his studies, found that a lot of, you know, physician burnout is as as high it's, as it's ever been. 50% of physicians across the country right now have said that they're experiencing high levels of burnout. And so our minds go toward less patient care. So a lot of people start thinking, well, I need to see fewer patients, work fewer days, go on more nature walks, more vacations with the family. And that's, there's, there's certainly value to that, that those things can help you, especially with, uh, if you're feeling anxiety for people that are burned out, but what he found out with doctors, it was more effective if they changed the way they practice that a lot of their proxy, more compassionate care, doing things that they felt a higher sense of value and sense of purpose, like what you're talking about, connecting with those patients, learning that new skill that actually their 
all the everything, the depression, the anxiety, the burnout came down significantly more than just taking more vacations. So, and I think that's a, a, a big component of how you're practicing and, and what services you offer that you're getting joy out of that, but also seeing that value come from the outcomes that you're getting with the patients that you work with. So it, that's a, an interesting how you sort of stumbled across that with one patient. And I, it's not like yeah. you were hooked, at least with the uh, initially with the ortho K. Um, so tell us about your YouTube channel. That's really interesting. I know you're, you were doing it for a long time and then you took a little break and got back into it. Yep. Uh, and again, it's, it's something that for somebody who is motivated to, to be seen, to market themselves, there, there's a lot of value to that. Tell us how you, you've utilized that platform. So I think I started it actually before the pandemic. I think it was in December, January of 2020. And um, I just thought it'd be a great way to, another great way to give back, take what I know and just be able to put it out there. So um, here's something you probably don't know that we probably didn't discuss, but um, I'm a SAG actor as well. And I've been in probably 10 major motion pictures. Yeah, I would have led with that. No, <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, I've probably done like 10 or 12 movies, background work, but I've, I've had some acting classes and I thought the YouTube channel would just kind of put it all together. So if you see my YouTube channel, you will see that I am not that great of an actor or that great in front of the camera, but that just goes to show that anybody can do it. Um, I also early on stumbled across uh, Dr. Allen. And he is probably Joseph. Biggest, Joseph, yeah, Joseph yeah. Mm -hmm. and he is probably the biggest uh, optometric YouTuber out there. And he was one of the first, but I got to say, he, he's unbelievable. He does a great job. He's got a great big smile. And uh, so I, I saw what he was doing. I saw some of his numbers and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. So I just jumped in, set up the, uh, went and bought the camera, set up the green screen. Um, and I've been having a lot of fun with it. So in that, I've probably got 100 videos done. I probably have 2,700 subscribers. And it's nothing crazy, but now I'm trying to figure out where that direction is going to go. And um, that's come from a whole different angle. Um, I want to try to figure out how to bridge the pre-optometry student in college to the uh, to drive them to funnel, make a bigger funnel into optometry. I think that's probably the best way to put it, to try to get more awareness out there to kids, to high schoolers, to undergraduates, to early undergraduate students, um, what optometry can be. So I think that's where I'm going to try to drive the channel. And that's one of the things that I want to do is to be able to start teaching to those kids um, what optometry can be, because I just think that the optometry is so amazing. There's so many things, uh, there's so many different ways you can practice and it's exciting. And I'm still really excited about optometry. So I think that's where I want to head. And I, one of the goals I set in the last five years was I want to be able to do whatever I, I want to be able to make a full-time living from anywhere. And after spending I don't know, I think I calculated out three and a half years in the dark, <laughs> you know, after 30 years of practicing. Um, I want to be able to do anything. I want to be able to do what I do full time from anywhere. 
So that, that's where I'm kind of heading with that. That the YouTube uh, started it all, but that, that's where my focus is kind of going. I interviewed Joel Allen once before, and he's got, I think, hundreds of thousands of viewers on his site. Yeah. So he was a great yeah. person to interview. And I, I learned quite a bit from that. Even if you don't aspire to be a YouTube sensation, you know what there there's a lot of platforms out there now to build a brand to build a business even locally and that's why i tend I, he's national he's maybe global i don't know but yeah, yeah. Uh, i took it brought the conversation back to to locally to be able to build that platform within optometry or if there's something else it's a real interesting angle you're taking in trying to reach um people who would potentially be interested in ods because i think they're probably getting a lot of bad information right now about sure. the profession. So that's an opportunity for you to say, this is really what it's about. I think it definitely has changed. I think you have to be, certainly if you aspire to be, to own a practice, I think you have to be more entrepreneurial these days than you did years ago, uh, more flexible, more willing to adjust to changing trends and changing times. But if you can do that, I, I think the, the future is still bright for, for optometry. Um, you have a course. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, or you're developing a course. Yeah, so I'm, I'm developing a course in, um, Along the lines of what I said, um, we brought in some pre-optometry students to be employees, to train them. They're my techs, they're my front desk. And the way it all started was back in March of this year, I had three full-time people leave within a week. And there were all different reasons. At, you know, at one point, I thought the, the, I had a mutiny, but I didn't. And you know, everybody knows what it's like trying to hire people these days, especially good people. It's nearly impossible to find them if you can even get them to show up for the interview. So while my office manager is trying to do the typical way of hiring, I called the pre-optometry advisors at Stonehill, Wheaton, Providence College, and just tried to uh, see if they knew of any students that might be interested. And I think it was the advisor at Wheaton who told me, and th this is a, a really good piece of information, that there's a piece of software out there called Handshake. And Handshake is um, a company that matches stu college students with jobs in their field. So we went into Handshake, put in a, um, a posting that we were looking, and within a week we hired seven people. We brought a few more in. We have at least three of them that are gonna be able to stay on during the year part-time. And it literally solved our problem overnight. And now Steve, I have seven people working for me. They're all eager, eager to learn about optometry. And now I've, con I've converted two of them to be pre-optometry that were just uh, um, in general you know, health studies and that's worked out really well for the practice. So of course I'm, I'm excited about that. So within weeks, I get an email from Harvard that they have a higher education teaching certificate program. And by the way, they, it's an ongoing online course. So if anybody's interested in it, contact me because I would be more than happy to uh, push that along to you. It was an eight week course. It was pretty in depth. But um, <laughs> I had no clue how I was going to make a syllabus for this course that I want to create to teach undergraduate students about optometry. And in the course was developing the syllabus by some of the 
greatest educators in the in the world. And I think it was $2,500. It wasn't much at all. And it was a great program. And so now I'm trying to figure out what platform I'm going to put the course on and how to get to those students. That's what I'm working on now. But yeah, it's really, and it's really exciting. And I'm excited about it because these kids are, you know, just so into it. They're so excited to see it. I have, uh, one of my students as a second year, one of my students, one of my employees as a second year student at MCPHS, she just came back for a couple of weeks. Um, she's a rock star now because she's so into it. And I have another uh, employee who just left for NECA. And I have two more employees that are getting ready to apply for next year. So, and in doing so, I'm talking to Kristen Tobin at NECO, the, the admissions advisor, you know, what would you like to see me do in this course? So I sent her off the syllabus and uh, we're going back and forth on things that we can, you know, uh, that they would like to see these students have. So I, I find this really exciting. That's maybe the first time I've heard po something positive in terms of hiring in a while, because you're right, yeah. it is a huge pain point. Yeah, yeah, so Handshake is the name of that software. Just Google it. You'll find it. And then Joel, you're, you have an interest in technology and I'm just going to yeah. leave it at that. Tell us a little bit about um, uh, your, your, your passion for the technology side of things. Sure. Um, you, you had hit on it earlier that, you know, so many of us have those points in our career where we're just stagnant and I was there. Um, it was probably 10 years ago. And I wasn't sure I wanted to continue being an optometrist. I was looking at other things. I was just not excited. I didn't feel like I gave a different eye exam than the person down the street. And, you know, as much as I like the optics and I, I like people, um, it didn't excite me anymore. So I wanted to start looking around at, um, other practices, you know, what was, what was exciting people? What was making people really want to uh, continue with optometry and, you know, uh, be better to, uh, you know, give a better experience to their, to their patients. So I joined a practice management group and um, it was really interesting to see what took those practices up, you know, what, what made them better, what, what could make them go, uh, not necessarily larger or more um, taking away the, the money end of it, just what made those doctors happier. And it was a lot of it for them was technology. So I brought in uh, Marco's RT5100. Matter of fact, the, the, the conversation I had was with April Jasper, who was the, um, I believe she was the president of the Florida Optometric Association. And I'm sitting next to her at a meeting and I said, uh, we, I, we, I just got an in revolution for my EHR. And that's a conversation. And she said, uh, how do you like it? And I said, it's killing me. I'm two hours behind on my late days. I, I'm, my patients are furious at me. I can't keep up. And she says to me, what do you use for a four opter? What do you have for a four opter? And I look at her, I go, I have a four opter like everybody else does. You know, it's got dials. Uh, and she said, uh, yeah, that's going to be an issue. You need to walk. We were at a, we were at a show. She goes, you need to walk out to the Marco booth. You need to buy the RT5100. And I go, the automated refracting system? She goes, yeah, it's going to solve all your problems. 
And I go, why? And she goes, it's that much faster. And she goes, it's that much more accurate. So um, Joe Mills was my Marco rep. We got him in. And uh, he said, uh, you know, as accurate as you are, this is going to be more accurate. And I kind of like ripped his face off for a few minutes and said, you know, I'm a math major. I, I think my refractions are unbelievable. And he said, uh, yeah, he said, it's going to be absolutely your, your redo rate will go down to nearly zero with this thing. And it did. And it sped up the time and the patients loved it. They're like, I've never seen anything like this. And I said, you know, you're not going to find it many other places either. So that just led me on the path for technology. And it was the RT5100, then it was the OptoMap, and then um, the OCTs, and you know uh, we have the um, the virtual reality visual field now. The patients love that. So yeah, the technology, the patients just love it, and it's it's paid off monetarily, but um, I think it's really helped grow the business, and and the patients literally see the excitement that I, in my eyes, as I'm doing the exam and they love that. So I think that that was probably one of the biggest steps of turning me around and really getting me to that point where I say, you're not going to find this down the street. And I, I just try to keep up on, on top of technology constantly. Yeah, I think it's real important to keep investing back into the practice. And some of the technology that's out there now truly is a game changer for both the, the doctor, is. the practice, and, and probably most importantly, the patient. Um, you know, I, I think it was about seven years ago, I was sitting in a Starbucks and going through emails and saw something pertaining to an, a job opening in Atlanta. I lived outside of Chicago for a company called Prima Eye Group at the time, which was later bought by iDoc, which... Uh, brought me to where where I'm at now. And I remember uh, it had to do with practice management consulting. And I went home and I showed it to my wife. And the first thing she said, she goes, well, that's in Atlanta. I said, yeah, I said, I won't even look into it if it's not even a possibility that we, you know, we would move our families are there, our friends are there. And she goes, no, no. She goes, it sounds perfect. That sounds like what you've really, something you've really wanted to do. But we both thought, I'm never going to get this job. There's people way more qualified than me. And I didn't know this till later, but I, I ended up I walked back out the door and I, I don't know where I went, but she told me later that she got on the phone, called her best friend and started crying. And she said, I think we're moving. Um, she's like, if he, if he gets this, we're definitely going to, going to take this. And it was hard. I, I, I actually turned it down initially when I got the offer, which I look back now and I tell my kids, you know, fortunately they called me back and said, can we just tell you a little bit more? And it ended up, um, I ended up accepting the position and we moved to Atlanta very difficult decision to leave your family, family, put your house up for sale. When you see other people do it, it just looks easier. Like, Oh, so-and-so moved, they relocated. When you have to do it, it's absolutely, it, it's, it's hard. It, it's very difficult to leave um, everyone behind. But you know, what I tell my kids is, is don't be afraid to take those risks and do some things differently. And I see a lot of ODs right now in practice and it, it's understandable. It's not bad. It's not, I don't think it speaks negative to the profession, but there's just a certain level of, I believe it, it can get a little routine doing the same 
traditional eye care over and over. So one thing I think you have to take it upon yourself to keep it fresh. Absolutely. Not everyone has to step away from eye care. My, my choice decision was maybe a little extreme than, than most ODs would want to take. And I understand that, but do what you have to do. What I hear coming from you and what gives you purpose is teaching. Like you love to share information. Um, it, it, it brings joy back into whether that's with patients, whether that's through your YouTube channel, teaching uh, potential students that that gives you a lot of joy. So just lean in. If you're if you're seeing patients and there's something else you want to do, start a specialty, teach a course, work fewer days so you can play guitar in a garage band, whatever it is you want to do, find it and just take that step and, and do it. And the world will be, you know, everything will be just fine. Yeah. Um, but, but just do it. So um, thanks, Joe. I, I appreciate you sharing your story. Awesome, Steve. This was great. Really enjoyed it. Joe, where can people learn more about you? They want to check you out on, on YouTube or find out more about your course, yeah. anything you want to share. Um, Certainly on my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Joel Hayden, J-O-E-L-H-A-Y-D-E-N. Um, there you'll find everything. You'll find my email address. You'll find my uh, link to my practice. So, which by the way, we have the IDOC website, which is unbelievable. It's worked out really well. Beautiful. So, Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Good plug. Um, so yes, with through our marketing services, that was an unsolicited plug, but we are now helping practices um, build their website, actually building websites for them. So, um, well, thanks again, Joel. And if uh, thanks everyone for listening. And if you would like more information about IDOC and how we work with ODs to help them grow their practice, you can find out more at IDOC.net. That's IDOC.net. So thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. Thank you.